0: Winter was here, but we are just getting started on our Game of Thrones rewatch here for the season six premiere of Game of Thrones. And now here are the two guys who at least look better naked than one person. I am Rob, (laughs) with Josh Wiggler. Josh, how are you? Uh,
1: I have no idea how to respond to that. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) so (laughs) brutal. What a what a brutal takedown of the Red Woman Melisandre, the titular Red Woman. (laughs) Boy,
0: you, Josh, do you remember you and I I went to go and
1: watch this premiere together in person? We are uh, like we're, we're now at the point where like we're back into like our Game of Thrones glory. This was like the height of our Game of Thrones powers, right? Right around the start of so season six. You are six. at the height of your powers today.
0: Right now? This right. is the moment? You become only more and more powerful every <laughs> single day that passes by.
1: Oh, my God. That's uh, that's all going to my head. I don't know how to how to even respond to that other than to say, yes, I do recall that uh, for those who don't remember Rob and I, uh, we we made a big fuss of it at the time because it was a super fun and cool thing to do. But we went to the Game of Thrones season six premiere in Hollywood together. Rob was just ripping up the appetizers at the after party. You were having a blast. It was a great night. Yes.
0: Well, Josh was, of course, covering the event for The Hollywood Reporter and uh, was very generous to uh, bring me along as a sidekick that night.
1: I was thrilled to do it. It was it was a great time. Uh, and I, I look forward to, to many more occasions like this. And by many more, I mean potentially one more. <laughs> one, <really> more. Only. <laughs> <laughs> one more.
0: It was really fun, though. We had a, a, a really fun night uh, that time. And we got to see the episode. And, of course, then they had a big party uh, afterwards. But we won't bore you with the details of that. We're here to talk about the Game of Thrones Season 6 premiere. Josh, here we are. Uh, season 6. This is the last 10-episode season of Game of Thrones. Uh, looking ahead, what can we expect here? in Season 6 of Game of Thrones.
1: Season six is a wild season of Game of Thrones. And one of the things that we were talking about throughout our season five podcasts on the rewatch here is my, my feeling anyway, that seasons five and six really work well together when you think of them almost as a single entity. So if season five was sort of about setting up the stories of Jon Snow and Daenerys Targaryen failing as leaders in their first real um, position as people of power and people who have risen the rank and are now in charge of what they deem to be very important, serious causes and really bombing in those jobs, whether that's Daenerys uh, having the entirety of Mirene just like Get, you know, like up in arms with rebellion and, uh, you know, f- having to fly away and now being stuck and surrounded by the Dothraki to Jon Snow, who arguably has it a lot worse considering he's currently dead. Uh, you know, those th- that's really where we left everything off with season five and season six is sort of about the rebound from that. Um, and where is that going to leave these two leaders as they are going to start looking toward the true, uh, you know, the truth uh, threat that is facing everybody on Game of Thrones, the real existential and literal threat of the White Walkers for the final two seasons. So this is, I think, a, a story of redemption to some degree, a story of like how Danny and John get their grooves back, their respective grooves. Uh, and it takes a little while for that Jon Snow story specifically to get started, where even here throughout this entire episode and through the vast majority of the next episode, John's dad, still dead, super dead.
0: Mm-hmm. Is it fair to say second half of season six better than the first half?
1: Yeah, I think that's super fair to say. I mean, the the last two episodes of season 6, I think are two of the very best episodes of Game of Thrones, full mm. stop. Uh, you know, whether it's the just the incredibly action-packed battle of the bastards, which I to to date, uh, you know, through this recording in November of 2018 without seeing the final six episodes of the show, I don't think that we have uh we have topped the battle of the bastards in terms of the the scale, the grandeur of the battle. Uh, and then the the season finale that we're going to get into here in season six i think is uh certainly the best season finale of any season of game of thrones um so very excited to get into that stuff we're also gonna get back into the brand storyline i know everyone's really been excited for that uh and of course uh that will have its own catastrophic results as well
0: Yeah, uh, there is a big payoff there. Uh, We can't say the same necessarily for Aria. We're going to get into everything with Lady Crane and all of that stuff. So season six, definitely an improvement from season five, which we like better. Maybe the same will be for season six. Maybe we'll say come away like "Eh, the bad stuff wasn't that bad the second time through.
1: Yeah, I think that season six, I remember liking season six a lot more than I liked season five. So I feel like I'm already primed to be pretty excited about this stuff. Some of the things that I don't remember liking much about season six we're already seeing in this first episode. <laughs> you know, some of like uh, a little more of the Dornish things going on uh, and a little bit of that waif action that I'm just not totally here for. Uh, but there, there's the, you know, the beginnings of some epic season six stories already here in this first episode. Though I do think this is another reason uh, and and one that I had forgotten the last time we were talking about it, why I was so annoyed about the Jon Snow stuff. Like, it really feels like they're dragging this out unnecessarily long. Yeah. Like, just bring Jon Snow back to life in the first episode. Why are we stretching this out until the end of the second episode? Is it just because you knew that Rob and I were going to be at the season six premiere and we would have spoiled it to everybody on Twitter? No, Come on we would have
0: never. We would have never never, never. 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 Absolutely never. not. Okay. All right. So we are setting the table for a lot of what's going to be going on here in season six. We open things up at Castle Black. Jon Snow still dead.
1: Way dead, way dead. His eyes have not changed color. He has not suddenly risen as some sort of fiery dragon man. He's just a very, very dead Jon Snow, like so many other members of his family.
0: Yeah, and Ghost is crying enough so that uh, Davos uh, is like, what's all this racket? I'm trying to sleep. And then he comes out and sees a very sad sight. Jon Snow is Dead and uh, Dolores Ed, he is there as well, and they're very upset about this. My question, Josh, is uh, why didn't the uh, assassins, the, the people who uh, put together this coup, why stab Jon Snow and then just uh, leave him there? Why, I mean, why not just like uh, did they want everybody to
1: see what happened? This is the first of a few logistical questions I have about this episode. <laughs> Like there's a few logistical things that just don't really add up for me, these and this is one of them. To talk about, by I the way, I know you you really love to pick these nits, and I think that there are some nits to pick. Uh, I don't understand why they would just stab John Snow as viciously as they did and just leave the body there and also leave like the traitor sign up too like Alistair Thorne is trying to like later on uh, you know just a couple scenes from now he's like going to try and like get everybody in the Night's Watch to like kind of understand where he was coming from with everything but by not taking down the sign that says traitor it really showing that they were just like very mean to John in his you know final moments in addition to killing the guy which is already a big enough deal so uh, yeah just hide the body take the body hide the sign just you know if you had to do this it was it was business as usual and like to let him like just be out there for everybody to discover rather than to control the message well maybe just you know to play uh
0: devil's advocate here that if they just like killed him and then you know buried the body ditched the body you know threw it off the wall whatever then it's like, "Hey, where's John? I don't know. Have you seen him? Oh maybe he went to Mal's town. Oh, maybe he'll be back. Uh, you know, I think that they can move on easier of like, well, we need a lord a new Lord Commander now because uh as opposed to, well, maybe he'll be back, and Thorn's like, "Oh, I don't know if he's going to come back anytime soon."
1: And you don't think that like they could have even like I don't know like staged it like they could they could kill John and then like they could set it up in such a way where it's like oh the pressures of being Lord Commander really got oh, to him. he this, stabbed himself. Yeah he stabbed himself a hundred time, Ninety nine times. Ninety nine <laughs> times in the stomach. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what the move is here but I, I, I caught the same thing that you did. I was like wait why yeah. did they just leave him here?
0: Well of course if we don't leave him there then uh we can't move his body in there. and i do feel like that, that was sort of like a weird reaction also from um, ed and davos like all right get his body inside come on
1: a lot of the stuff that happens with davos especially uh surrounding the john snow of it all is very strange to me um it doesn't happen in this episode yet but it's going to be the next one where he just like goes up to melisandre's like Hey, can you bring him back to life? Like, where is that coming from with Davos? And I, I love Liam Cunningham. I think that he does such a great job as Davos. I think that Davos is one of the truly underrated characters on this show. One of my absolute favorites. Um, I just feel like he's he's oddly written in these first couple of episodes.
0: Okay. All right. So we end up with uh, getting everybody back there and uh, we got Jon Snow now on a table and uh, Davos is talking with the guys about uh, what do you what do you think happened here?
1: Yeah, what, what's the what's the what's the deal here? And everyone everyone knows that this is uh, that this is a bad deal.
0: Yeah, uh, Melisandra is going to come in.
1: She's going to show up. Melisandre is also having a really rough time. She's so wildly wrong about so many things so quickly. She's like, wait, but I saw him fighting at Winterfell. I saw him in the flames. And I was like, yeah, that, that was a, that was not real. None of that's real. I can't mm-hmm. speak for the flames, but yeah. Jon Snow's dead. Super and you dead. saw Stannis fighting in there too, right? Yeah, so everything that she knows is wrong. Uh or is it? Is because it? we hmm. know that that she uh she will have uh Jon Snow fighting at Winterfell in in the future. Okay. It's just hard to see right now.
0: All right. So let's have a meeting. Let's get everybody here at Castle Black to talk about what happened and uh Alice Thorne talks about how uh Jon Snow is dead
1: yeah he just kind of owns it pretty quickly and there's a lot of people who are very mad here uh which is nice to see right like all these Jon Snow loyalists here are are pretty upset about what's going on and then Alistair Thorne is gonna have to give a big speech to try and turn everybody's hearts and minds yeah
0: because we get a little bit like what do you mean he's dead who killed him All right. I did it. I did it. I confess I killed him, but you know, he had it coming because he put me in a bad spot because he tried to bring the wildlings in he's given them our land. And it was a bad, it was, he made such a bad decision that I had to kill him.
1: Yeah, but now it really does make you wonder. It's something that we talked about a couple of weeks ago of like, well, then why did you let him through the wall when he and the wildlings all showed up mm. a little while ago? Shouldn't you have just like not let him through at that point? Isn't that the moment to just like, be like, yeah, no, this can't this can't last anymore. This is not good. Mm hmm. Yeah, because like if you're upset that John has put us in this terrible position and the night's watch is like everything that we've ever fought for. It's under threat now that there are wildlings through the gates. And it's like it's almost it's it's a little too late, isn't it? Like we're a little we're like a little past the point. Maybe this is something you should have done a week ago.
0: All 2020 hindsight is perfect. Uh-huh. <laughs> and 2020 green is extremely perfect.
1: It's true. That's literally how uh, 2020 Uh, Vision
0: works. (laughs) All right. Uh, So we're going to see Ed and Davos talking about this and uh, talking about, like, well, what do we do now?
1: Yeah, I'm really happy that Ghost is there. They've, you know, they need all the help they can get. So they got the Dire Wolf. That's going to be a a real huge assist for moving forward. But Ed is really like, he's at a loss. He's just like, he's he's on fire. He's lit. He's angry. He's mad. He's like, oh, those people messed with the wrong guys today. Like, we're definitely all about to die, but they're going to die too. And it's going to be awesome. And I was like, wait, why do we all have to die? Slow your roll there. (laughs) Yeah, why does everyone have to die? Uh, Ed has the great line to Davos as saying if you were planning to see tomorrow you picked the wrong room (laughs) if they went to a different room would they have lived Uh, but he's just not thinking clearly Uh, he's he's not thinking about all of the possibilities and here's Davos who's a pretty good tactician maybe he's learned a thing or two from Stannis Baratheon along the way where he says we don't have to die let's fight but we don't have to die if we have some help uh, we might be able to make it through, and you guys aren't the only ones who owe your lives to Jon Snow. Uh, which, of course, you know he's gonna—he's summoning Tormund and the rest of the wildlings to to the fight. And we know that Ed is eventually going to get command over Castle Black once mm-hmm. Jon Snow walks away. I don't like Castle Black's odds with with Ed in command. If he can't <laughs> even—if he can't even—if he can't even think of like calling up Tormund, like that should have been an obvious play.
0: <laughs> yeah. He seems uh, very easily baited into like, all right, let's go. Yeah. That's it. That's <laughs> it. Come on, everybody. Let's go. It's, uh, obviously, uh, there are some people coming. So let's uh, come on, everybody. Let's go. Let's go die.
1: Yeah. And if like Twitter was around in the age of Westeros, he would just be getting into huge social media wars all the time. He would just be saying things that he would deeply regret the next day uh, on Twitter, just like completely tanking his account. Like be, he'd be like the Elon Musk of, Game of <laughs> like in a single tweet, just like completely burning his entire career. All right. Uh, meanwhile,
0: uh, let's uh, talk about what's going on uh, with Ramsey. Poor Ramsey, mourning for the loss of Miranda.
1: This is uh, this is a great scene. This was always a great scene of like his eulogy for Miranda, who obviously Theon uh, pushed off of the thing and she's dead now. And Ramsey is showing like the most emotion we have ever seen from him before outside of like rage, I guess. Uh, this is him like actually upset. And he tells the story about how she was the kennel master's daughter and she smelled of dog and everyone was afraid of me and she wasn't afraid of me. And I loved her and she loved me and blah, 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 blah. Feed her to the dogs. Uh, it's just, it's just, it's just such a, it just takes meat cute yeah, exactly, exactly. (laughs) Uh, you know, he says like, you know, he gives this very sweet eulogy and then the maester's like, all right, well, what should I do? Do you want to like, um, burn her in a funeral pyre? Do you want to like put her in the family plot? And he's like, yeah, bury her, burn her. No, she's, this is good meat. Feed her to my dogs. Mm -hmm. It's like, I mean, was this something that they had talked about once upon a time? She wanted to go about, yeah. You know, she's like, you know, we're just bodies in her living will we're bodies, you know, just feed me to dogs when I'm gone. So yes. Ramsey knows the that master's
0: daughter. There's some synergy
1: there. Yeah. It's also obviously great uh, in terms of the, the you know, the, the full circle nature of this scene that Ramsey's oh, yeah. first scene in this season is going to be him talking about feeding uh, Miranda to the dogs. And when we see him last, he himself no. shall be fed to the dogs.
0: And then in some way, do you think that then they are going to be back reunited?
1: yeah they probably are going to be like intermingled in like the same (laughs) (laughs) dogs vowels uh if you believe in the afterlife uh and they're really getting their their just uh, reincarnation
0: Mm, yeah it's kind of a a beautiful story that i I think that uh, i'll I'll talk to nicole about this about uh, (laughs) that maybe this should be what we should do no Let's, let's both have our a dead body fed to the same animal. Oh, God. This is. <laughs> and then we could be digested
1: together. No, no, don't, don't do that.
0: I think it's kind of romantic. I don't think it is. I don't think so. Are you
1: sure? Yeah, I am. I feel pretty sure about this. I'm not sure about a lot, but I don't think this is what you want to do with your bodies. Okay.
0: All right. So, Ruth Spalton is having a talk with Ramsey. And, uh, yes. Ramsey Bolton did set Stannis' troops on fire, but uh, he's disappointed dad today because uh, Ramsey screwed some things up.
1: Yeah. I mean, Sansa's gone and that was really the big thing that was going to keep the North together. And if the North is not going to be together, how are they going to stand a chance against the, the Lannisters? And I love like how he's kind of like shading Stannis here too. He's like, listen, that was, it was just Stannis Baratheon. That was really, you know, that's, mm-hmm. a, that's a cake, that's a cakewalk. Uh, but how are you going to, how are you going to face down the Lannisters if you can't even keep Stan- Sansa Stark? Yeah, uh, there is a good line
0: when Roose Bolton is talking about uh, who took out Stannis, and uh, nobody knows. And ruse Bolton says, "A uh, shame. I'd reward the man. Still a great victory.
1: Still a great victory. Mm. Yeah, but so, reward I reward the mean, man. Yeah, true, true. Very, very good call." Uh yeah because we know it was it was Brienne who who did the deed. And you know we gave Brienne a lot of uh guff for going after Stannis instead of going for Sansa. But of course, uh that's really just going to be like a brief side trip for her before she uh corrects that mistake mm-hmm. in the very next scene. Yeah.
0: But uh Roose Bolton so close minded to think that it couldn't have been a woman that killed Stannis.
1: Yeah, you know, not a surprise these Boltons, you know. Mm-hmm. They're they're pretty terrible. Yeah. Every, everything that can be bad in the world is probably something that they have thought of already or done. Yeah.
0: Roos also uh is reminding Ramsey about how uh I just hope that Lady Walder is uh holding a boy.
1: Oh yeah. Oh gosh, well, you shouldn't really uh you shouldn't hope for yeah. that. Miscalculation. How this is going to go. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, knowing that Roos is going to die in the very next episode, I believe it's the next episode when that goes down. Um, Do you think like this was something that was already on Ramsey's mind or do you think like by Roos, like continually rubbing this in Ramsey's face, Ramsey's starting to get the wheels turning even in this moment, like if it is a boy, I probably have to kill the kid and my dad probably have to get that done.
0: I don't think that this was already uh, predetermined by Ramsey. I, I think yeah. that the constant needling of uh, him, uh, the taunting, I think, uh, sort of brought it to the forefront.
1: The emotional flaying that occurred. Yeah. Father and son. Yeah. Yeah, I think so.
0: Okay. Uh, meanwhile, Sansa and Theon are on the run. That uh Ramsey tells his dad I will get Sansa back because we need to we need her to hold the North against the Lannisters. No, right. the North won't fight for us if uh when it comes to battling with the Lannisters if we don't have Sansa Stark. And so Theon and or Reek and Sansa are is he Theon yet? Is he back he's, to Theon?
1: He's on his way. He's on his way. You know, I think that it's gonna take a little while to wash off the stench of Reek, but Uh, He's certainly certainly working back towards Theon. Yeah. Sansa just about ready to give up.
0: Like I can't. The water is too cold.
1: Yeah. And he's like, trust me, you want to freeze to death rather than get eaten alive by dogs. I promise.
0: (laughs) Sansa has had some badass moments, uh, you know, already in the series. But uh, this uh, this entire, you know, run is not one of them.
1: Well, I think that it's it, you can you can look at it more favorably when you remember that she jumped off of Winterfell. She jumped mm-hmm. off of Winterfell into a snowbank and is still running, is still moving. Like, I would have definitely be, been dead on the jump. I wouldn't have made it past the jump. So the fact that she made it past the jump and out into the forest and has gotten this far, I think is impressive enough. Um, but the whole, I, I actually, I love this sequence. I think this is my favorite stuff in the episode. Is the Theon and Sansa And then of course when Brienne shows up it's the, it's the big action scene of the episode It's very exciting I remember watching that with you We were in a theater as it was going down It was super fun uh, Just like a really, really big Game of Thrones moment
0: Yeah, so they end up getting across the water And uh, they end up hiding over here And then Theon is basically telling Sansa Go north uh, You know, as the, as the hounds are getting closer Not the hound and go north because uh, your brother, John, he's Lord Commander. He'll help you. And Theon ends up. He's going to take all the heat himself. He gets surrounded by the Bolton men. They say, where's Sansa? And he says, Oh, I left her to die.
1: Yeah. And then immediately the dogs are like, No, she's over here. She's, she's right here. She's literally right here.
0: <laughs> right here. This is what we do. Do not do not try to tell us that somebody is not there when we're dogs and we can see somebody and she's right behind that. Yeah, bush. we're
1: highly trained and incentivized to find this specific person. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Bolton officers are, are already like, Oh, I can't wait for all of you guys to just get like mutilated by Ramsey. It's gonna be so great. And then, of course, Q Brienne of Tarth and Podrick and the fights that shall ensue.
0: Yep. And Brienne is going to really clean house. Even Podrick gets in on the action. Uh, there looks like at one point that Podrick is going to get got by the Bolton men, But then it is uh, Theon slash Reek who ends up saving Pod to take out the last guy.
1: And this is this is one of the things I think is also really exciting about where we are in Game of Thrones at this point in time from season six onward is that the the story is starting to fold in on itself, right? Like all of these different threads are finally starting to tie together where it probably never occurred to just about anybody like the realistic possibility that we would see a scene between Theon and Podrick where they are both like fighting the same guy and one of them is going to save the other. These were characters in completely disparate parts of the of the narrative and here they are fighting together. You see, Sansa and Brienne are now teamed up. These four are going to be together for literally a minute because I think Theon leaves in the very next episode. Mm-hmm. But it's like, it's laying the groundwork for that kind of thing that we're going to start seeing, which will really pay off in um, the season seven finale, especially when, uh, as far as we've seen so far anyway, when we're going to get everybody at like the dragon pit and everything like that. Um, so this is a fun, you know, turn in, in the story of this idea of all these people whose lives uh, and and, you know, trials and tribulations. We've been following for all of these years For so much time Finally all of that is going to start paying off And intersecting with one another And I think it's going to be really exciting
0: So Brienne is going to pledge her loyalty To Sansa This time Sansa will accept uh, Brienne's uh, Offer
1: Yes this is a, a meet and mead cute
0: <laughs> Yes
1: with, with some help from Padraig To remember the line yeah, Sansa doesn't remember exactly what to say here and Podrick helps her out. And shout out to the great Sir Brendan of House Fitzy, who I know listens along to the Winter Was Here podcasts and has always been very mad that Sansa never really fully acknowledges her shared history with Podrick Payne. Uh, Podrick having been the squire for, uh, for Tyrion back when Sansa and Tyrion were married. And there's really just no acknowledgement between these two. So justice for, uh, I don't know what you want to portmanteau that as for
0: for Podrick or for, for Brendan Fitzpatrick.
1: Oh, I don't know. Well, it's certainly justice for Brendan. Always. Mm-hmm. Always. Okay.
0: Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Josh, is it possible that uh, Brienne just forgot her lines here and then the actor who plays Podrick was just uh, trying to remind her and they left <laughs> that in the episode?
1: It's not impossible, I guess. Uh, probably Not. I would guess I would guess that this was this was written into the into the script. Yeah. Um, but it's fun to think about uh, Sophie Turner just like stumbling over the line and then everyone being like, oh, this actually works better.
0: Mm hmm. How do you pronounce a uh, Brienne's uh, Gwendolyn? Gwendolyn Christie.
1: Gwendolyn Christie. Yes. There you go.
0: Yeah. OK. All right. Uh, so let's uh, go back to King's Landing and uh, we see Cersei and uh, she is uh, like, oh, I have short hair now. And. Then she is told, hey, oh, there's a ship coming in. And she's like, oh, it must be Jamie. And so ship coming in from Dorn and then she's excited. But then she sees uh, Jamie not looking so happy and uh, she knows that uh, this didn't go well.
1: Yeah. I mean, again, we're kind of just back to square one with these two. Like the last time Jamie and Cersei were together, they were, uh, you know, having just come off of losing their father. And they were both kind of in a hard way. And now Jamie is back from this mission where he's like, I got this. I'll, I'll totally get Marcella. We're going to be fine. And now he's bringing her back, and she's dead. And Cersei, who has already been through so much uh, over the past season, um, is it like this? Is just it's breaking her. It's really, it's really breaking her. And really great stuff from from Lena Headey. That look on her face when the camera is like closing in on her a little bit, and she is seeing her her daughter being brought in, and the whole like speech that she talks about about her beautiful little face starting to collapse. It's so so gutting. Just this whole thing.
0: Yeah. Uh, morbid stuff. They're talking about the first time you ever saw a dead body. What happens to a dead body? And so Jamie is uh trying to say, like, no, 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 this is, you know, uh, I'm with you on this. You know, I failed her. And Cersei's like, no, no, you don't understand. There was a witch and she told me this was going to happen. Like, what? A witch? What are you talking about? Maggie the Frog, bro. Yeah. What are you, what are you talking about? And yeah. it is some uh Great symmetry here, Josh, because we are going to start this season with Cersei mourning the death of uh, Marcella and then end this season with the death of Tommen.
1: Yeah, and it's it's interesting because the reactions are going to be very different, right? Where she'll certainly be upset to have lost Tommen, but the way that she is, you know, the sort of the, the stages of grief uh, for Cersei as she has lost her three children, you know, these three stages that she has gone through, is like the extreme agony of losing Joffrey so unexpectedly and so publicly She finds out about Marcella, and Marcella is brought in and she's like kind of, you know, she's weeping. She's very upset about it, obviously, but this is like a private moment of mourning. And then when Tommen is going to be dead, she's just like immediately going to transition from that into just being like, Hardcore, stone faced, kill everybody who comes in my path type of uh, warrior queen. Um, so Cersei herself is, is in the midst of that transformation where right now she is still just like very, very deeply upset about everything that's been going on. Um, but by the end of this season, she's just gonna be in full blown monster mode. And Jamie is doing her best to try to get her to uh snap out of
0: things. He ends up telling her to uh F C U K prophecy, <laughs> F C U K fate. Yes. F C U K everyone who isn't us. Those are the fake friends. Yeah, fake uh, friends. We're, we're the only ones that matter. The only ones in this world, and
1: everything they've taken from us, we're going to take back and more. Yeah, everything. We're gonna take everything there is. Uh Jamie really just spinning his wheels at this point, huh? Like really Mm -hmm. just like nothing happening with this guy.
0: Yeah, I feel like that this is sort of out of character for Jamie. And Jamie's upset, too, with uh, what's going on. But I feel like that in, you know, the next couple seasons of Game of Thrones, uh, I don't know if Jamie is necessarily on that page in terms of that we are going to, uh, you know, get our revenge against the world.
1: Yeah, I don't I feel like, you know, he's going to move away from that. And we're sort of the the season five and season six storylines for Jamie are kind of just like him trying to be like the good little Lannister. You know, he's uh, he's trying trying to be loyal to his family he's trying to uh, you know get his daughter back he's trying to to win river run back this season just going off on all of these different errands for for what ultimately for uh for somebody who is you know somebody who's obviously very close to him in many different respects in uncomfortable respects but somebody who is a scary person a scary person to be loyal to uh and It doesn't always play super well, and I think a lot of that is because it just has this sort of stagnant quality to the story. But it's going to take until the end of season six, I think, for Jamie to really start to, and really, honestly, until the end of season seven. Because in season seven, he's still Team Cersei for most of it. Um, It's going to take him a while to get woke to the idea that this isn't good. This is unhealthy. This is not a a family that he should be loyal to just because this is his family.
0: All right. She is uh, still in, uh, what would, in what would you call this? The uh,
1: under the guard of the High Sparrow. She's in she's in Septa Unella's dungeon, yeah. uh, which is not a place that anybody wants to be.
0: Yes, and Septa Unella is telling her to confess, to confess, and she is not willing to confess. She does not want to do that. Uh, here comes the High Sparrow. He's going to relieve her and say, "Uh, you know, Septa Unella." She gets a little carried away.
1: I know. High Sparrow wants uh, Marjorie to confess as well, but he has a he has a softer touch. You know, he's not he's not going to shame, shame, shame you to death. Yeah,
0: he's, they're a little good cop, bad cop. A
1: little bit, a little bit. Yeah. And I think High Sparrow likes Marjorie a little more than uh, than I don't think. I don't think Septinella particularly likes anybody would be my bet. Uh, she likes seven individuals that's it <laughs> that's it A very that's it. specific seven She's married to the seven yes and that's, and that's it
0: yes. um, so the the high sparrow is uh you know there to talk to her about uh no not loris that the the king is concerned about marjorie
1: yeah the king is concerned uh little tommen he would like to he would like to see you again he would like you back uh just confess and maybe we can make that happen and marjorie is still of the mind of saying i've got nothing to confess mm. Yeah, he's yeah.
0: like, uh, let's work on that. Let's work on that.
1: You know, uh, Cersei was able to figure this out a little faster than Marjorie, I guess. In like the the balance of things, as you're looking at like Cersei versus Marjorie and the Walter White versus Gus Fring lens, it's uh, it's no surprise the the way certain things go. Okay, let's go
0: check in at Dorne. In Sunspear, and uh, we are going to do some uh, rapid sort of, you know, retconning of uh, Dorn here.
1: Let's just clean up Dorn real fast. Uh, yeah, they really just do away with a lot of the Dornish action here in in quick order, uh, where. There, You know, if you we've talked about this a little bit, like if you're if you're coming at this as a fan of the book, like, you know, that Doran Martell is like, you know, he's harboring some secret agenda for how he's going to very uh, in a, in a very complicated way. He's going to get back at the Lannisters for everything. Like he actually is still carrying the torch for his brother and his dead sister and blah, 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 blah. That does not seem to exist even a little bit on the show here as hilarious and just like. Instantly annihilates Prince Doran in maybe this. Maybe it was, and
0: maybe he just didn't tell uh, uh, Hilarious Sand about it.
1: I don't know. I mean, I guess it's possible. You idiot! But they just they they just went right had through a it. Plan and look, maybe. I wonder, like, you know, at a certain point, do, you know, David Benioff and Dan Weiss, do they know that they need to be wrapping up Game of Thrones in a certain amount of time and to really do, like, the deep, complicated Dorne storyline is not really going to work and that's the, the pivot that they make? Or did they always plan on this being the, the scenario all along? Is it also How possible? possible? <laughs> have thought that this was the plan all along? You know? Let's do a
0: bunch of stuff in season five and then just, like, completely kill them all off in season six.
1: Yeah, I think you got to imagine, you know, they have eyes and ears right you know they, they can tell when something isn't working you know probably uh not just for fans but uh you know from the fan reaction but just in their gut they had to know that the Doran stuff was really landing with a thud uh hmm. and i think for for them to just like it's disappointing but if the choice is either like dig in deeper and try to you know unravel the mess and come out with some sort of like good redeeming story but you know risk a lot in order to get there or just like you know what? We screwed this one up. Let's just kill off the Doran storyline. I'll take Dorn number two at this point. Dorn number two. Dor- <laughs> no, Dorn number two sounds horrible. <laughs> number two is what Doran has become. <laughs>
0: OK, so here's how this is all uh, breaking down. Uh, so we uh, see Laria. She's there with Doran. And uh, ultimately, Doran is going to get a note. And the note is going to say
1: that uh,
0: Princess uh, Marcella has died. Yeah.
1: And uh, he's like, oh, my God, what's going on? And then instantly, as soon as he reads the news, uh, Tyene Sand, the most beautiful woman in the world, according Mm -hmm. to Tyene Sand, is going to (laughs) uh, stab Ariel Hota uh, immediately, just like right in between the shoulder blades. And he's dead instantly. That happened really fast. Um, then Alaria stabs Doran a couple of times, not like, you know, Jon Snow overkill, but she stabs him like once or twice. Yeah.
0: And uh, Doran, all his, he's concerned about is uh, his son, Tr- uh, Where wh- What are you doing with him? And Alaria says, I uh, got some bad news on that front, too. Uh, he is weak and uh, weak men will never rule Doran again.
1: Yes, your son will not rule Dorne unless oh. he is capable of ruling Dorne with a spear through the back of his head, which he is yeah. not.
0: Okay. So Doran and uh Arihota.
1: Gone. Dead. RIP. R.I.P. And uh Prince Tristain, soon to follow here. Yeah. Uh they say that
0: uh, you know, uh Dornish deaths come in threes. <laughs>
1: I do think that's a saying. It's pretty common, uh, known throughout the Seven (laughs) Kingdoms.
0: Yeah. And so uh, Tristain is, you know, he's painting the eye rocks, I guess, for Marcella. It looks like he's like uh, kind of enjoying it. And he uh, is joined there by uh, Obara Sand and Nymeria.
1: Yeah. And like they show up, they're like, oh, we're not here to feed you, buddy. We're here to kill you because... Uh, and he's not, he's not like super excited about this, but like he has enough confidence in himself to fight these two people, it seems. Uh, and, uh, I think it's Nymeria says, do you want her to do it? Or do you want me to do it? And Tristane's like, I want you to do it. Uh, but Obara just takes the opportunity when he has his back to her to just like shove his spear into the back of his head and out mm-hmm. his face. And it is, uh, viciously gross.
0: The one that he's going to fight says to him, uh
1: smart boy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Maybe maybe because like she know no, I think the one who kills oh, him says kills smart him, but boy. But then but then she yeah. kills him
0: anyway. Maybe she was pissed that he didn't that uh she didn't get picked.
1: Or maybe she's like being very like legitimate here, like of of the options that were on the table for Tristain to pick Nymeria and turn his back to Obara was probably ultimately the smartest of the very bad choices that were available to him because he's just Instantly going to be killed without any real heads up, no real warning. So Mm -hmm. it's probably like the most merciful way to die in this current situation.
0: Yeah. Uh I mean it was a pretty funny scene in terms of uh like you know it's coming and then he just like turns his back to uh Obara and then she puts the spear through his head.
1: But the camera's just like on his face and then like without cutting away at all, suddenly just like a spear explodes out from his face. And it's very gross. It's very it's very graphic. This is Game yeah. of Thrones and graphic things happen all the time, but this one for me, I don't know why, it always just like felt like really especially nasty. Yeah. Josh,
0: I know this is something that I've been caught up on in the past here, uh, but Obara and Nymeria, how did they get to King's Landing?
1: Um, yes. So another one of the logistical questions of, of this episode is like the whole timeline of the Dorn stuff. So Marcella dies on the boat while the Sand Snakes are all watching from Dorn, Um And and on the dock and like. Jamie doesn't like turn around immediately and be like, what the hell
0: guys? What, did- <laughs> what was this I get all that. about? I get Look, okay. She's dead. There's nothing we could do. Let's just get the hell home.
1: And how does like Tristane, like how is, how is he still on the boat and all of that? Like none of it really makes a lot of sense.
0: Well, maybe, they, they, OK, like that part doesn't bother me as much because maybe it's like, OK, Tristane, you stay here because, you know, maybe it's not safe for you in King's Landing. We don't know what's going on, uh, especially that, you know, we don't know how Cersei is going to if she's going to want to necessarily punish you. So let's, you know, you lay low for a little bit, hang out here while we're figuring this all out. But then I don't know how the Sand Snakes get there. And then when do we see them again? And, and they sailed all the way from Dorne to King's Landing to kill Tristane and then go all the way back.
1: Right, right. I mean, I guess like I don't know. I don't know. It's all very confusing. I mean, I guess like if if the if the cost that we're paying here are like logistical nightmares, uh but you have to like suffer those nightmares in order to lose all of these characters, uh I I pay that price gladly. Okay. All right. Um So
0: we are going to go back to Marine. And finally, we had been waiting so long to see Tyrion and Varys back together. And we get a nice long scene of Tyrion and Varys on a stroll through the mean streets of Marine with Tyrion walking around like a rich guy.
1: Yeah, if you're going to have to like go into like Exposition City, then at least have it be through Tyrion and Barris, right? Like just Mm. have these two incredible characters, these excellent actors chewing the scenery up together and just catching each other up and the viewer alike on everything that's been going on in the Marine story so far.
0: Exposition City, that's the uh, fourth major slave city
1: in Slaver's (laughs) Bay. Yeah, that's right. It doesn't get a lot of uh, attention these days, (laughs) Uh, but that's one that's one of them for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, Exposition City uh, is nice, but it's better if I could just uh, show it to you rather than tell you about it. (laughs) Yes,
1: that's correct.
0: (laughs) show you some pictures. <laughs> yes, oh, I love it. <laughs> All right. So they're walking around and uh they're talking about, you know, uh Tyrion's background. There's in terms of uh you know, he's uh you know, his he's a a real blue blood and uh Varys would rob from people like that. And uh they end up coming upon a uh, a woman with a
1: baby. Right. And uh Tyrion tells the woman that he will eat her baby.
0: Uh ate a baby yes
1: <laughs> he's going full fat bastard at this point <laughs> fat, battle of the uh, fat battle of the bastards uh yeah <laughs> he's he's saying he's like trying to give this woman some money and he's speaking to her in Valyrian, and what it translates to is for your baby to eat and she thinks that it means that he's trying to buy her baby to eat the baby <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) which is great. So
0: Varys cleans that up. Uh, They end up walking past some graffiti where it used to say kill the masters. Now it says Misa is a master.
1: Wow. Banksy's in urine, right? (laughs) I mean, some street art. I like it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Also,
0: then. We see, uh, you know, it doesn't take a, uh, you know, uh, Nate Silver to know that Daenerys is uh, not super popular anymore. Marine, they're talking about that.
1: Yeah, because, I mean, she's gone. No one no one really knows what's up. Uh, You know, I think that that move that she made in season five to behead this very popular guy was an unpopular decision. Yeah, not not a great choice. Ultimately, that one. On the marine is on the right track,
0: wrong track, Paul. Like that, that really, a lot of people yes. felt like, uh, what are we doing? Yeah. Why do we, <laughs> we free the slaves and we're killing them? Uh, I don't know.
1: It's a it's a great time to be a red priest in marine. Yeah. You're getting you're getting a lot of people hot and bothered as the 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 worshippers of the Lord of Light are want to do. Well what
0: is the meaning of of this cuz I feel like that this does not really you know uh get delivered on here in the marine storyline.
1: Well I think I think it it indicates to me like Melisandre is going to be um, in season 7 like she's going to come to Daenerys in the same way of like you seem to be a really exciting person and there's somebody that you should meet and blah 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 uh, and I think that we're just supposed to feel like Danny's cause is aligned with this idea of like the Lord of Light's enemy is the great other the great unknown uh, death and uh, these are all people who are on the side of, of Daenerys and so this red priest here is talking about like the Lord of Light sent the mother of dragons to you and all of these bad things happen that have chased her away but just because she's gone doesn't mean you shouldn't keep her cause you need to pick up her flame for yourselves fight for your own salvation now that she's not here and ultimately i mean i think that is going to be uh a a cause in the in the favor of danny like getting out of marine like she's ultimately going to have to leave this place and leave these people behind to defend the city for themselves okay
0: So uh, Varys is going to have his spies work on, you know, uh, what really went on with the Sons of the Harpy. uh, Who are they working for? Uh, But as they are walking uh, back towards the uh, Great Pyramid, uh, smoke, and it looks like that all of their ships, all of the Miranese ships have been uh, torched.
1: Yeah, that's not great, especially if you're a fan of Game of Thrones with no further insight into where the story is going from here at that moment in time, being like, How are they ever going to get to Westeros? No, (laughs) don't burn the boats. We got to get out of here. All right. Frustrating. But of course, we will have great joys to thank for this uh, solution later. All right. So Jorah
0: and Dario are off looking for Daenerys. And uh, I guess they really got lucky in terms of what direction uh, to head off into.
1: Lucky. They're talented, man. These are two of the best trackers in the world, let alone Game of Thrones. How do you track a dragon, though? I guess it's like, I guess the dragon flew that way.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I think that's how it worked. They seem to be uh, looking for burnt rams and goats.
1: It's yeah. Is it a goat or is it a ram? I think is the, the great debate of this episode of Game of Thrones.
0: Yeah. OK, so uh, they are on the trail and they're uh, talking about the one thing
1: that they have in common. And that would be the Khaleesi. Yeah, they both love the Khaleesi. They're huge fans of Danny, and they uh, they want to see what the world's going to be like when she's uh, in charge of it. Interesting, because uh, Dario
0: appears to be off the show following uh, this season. And so we don't know if Dario will get to see what the world looks like when she's done conquering it
1: yeah and i I don't expect that we will see Dario back on the show. There's just too much other stuff that has to happen in the final six episodes of of Game of Thrones. It's all right. He's doing rather well for himself Did you, have you seen the the haunting of hill House yet Rob uh, no i have not dario's uh he's a main character on that We're show Good for dario it's uh not so great <laughs> for, the show is great but for for dario things things uh, could be better things could okay. be better very okay. good show very very good show yeah.
0: Um, also, Jorah is also dealing uh, with his own cootie spot, which appears yes. to be getting uh, worse and worse as they're talking about, like, uh, you know, uh, if uh, if Dario grows old and Jorah, of course, uh, questioning his own mortality here. But we see uh, crop circles, right?
1: yes that's uh <laughs> aliens have taken Danny. <laughs> aliens have taken danny uh man if only that would be that would be amazing or maybe perhaps that would explain why the dothraki are going to act so uncharacteristically broey and fratty like uh like they are being written by a completely different team of writers in the near future
0: here ons.
1: Yes, exactly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, so they notice, okay, well, there's a big circle, and then the middle, hmm, not so much. They go and they check it out, and they find Daenerys' ring.
1: Yes, the ring has been left behind. Uh, and did she leave that intentionally? Is it an accident? But either way, Jorah knows they've got her. Okay, all right, so we see
0: that, Daenerys has been taken prisoner by the Dothraki and they are bringing her back to uh, go meet with uh, the call call Moro. Yeah. And uh we have some guys who are talking to Daenerys and they are not treating her with a lot of respect,
1: Josh. No, and Danny can speak uh Dothraki. She understands it. So she hears like everything that they're saying and what they're saying is very uh very bad and shall not be repeated here.
0: <laughs> no, no. Not necessary. Um did we our, our previous experience to the Dothraki? Did we, like did, was it just that Kaldrogo Drogo like had like a pretty like classy group of Dothraki?
1: I don't know if I would say he had a classy group of Dothraki. I mean, those guys were pretty awful too. But I feel like the like the frat house banter is different here with these Dothraki. These are the ones who are famously going to be uh, referred to within the fan community, or at least I know we talked about it a lot on uh, our recaps on post show recaps of them as the Broth Rocky because they're really just acting like the worst of the worst of like fraternity stereotypes like they're just they're so 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 trashy and awful okay um and I don't remember if like we were amused by this the first run through it's just it's just all of this is so stupid now like just get let's get through this ep- <laughs> let's get through this storyline as quickly as humanly possible
0: please. we were definitely amused by uh Moro and the conversation that he would talk about where, cause, yeah, at first he meets Daenerys and he talks about how wow um and his, the, you know, the the rest of the women uh, that are his wives, uh, they're like, uh, we don't like her. They are haters.
1: Yeah, cut her head off before she casts magic. She must be a witch. Yeah, kill yeah. her. All kill blue-eyed her. Eyed women are witches. Yeah, doesn't like her. Okay. Uh,
0: and so uh, Carl Moro talks about how uh, well, she is. This is a very attractive woman. Uh, I bet it would be great to see her in the nude that would be one of the best things that would yeah, that would really be what what could be better than that
1: here are five things that could be better than that. <laughs> I mean, like, I don't know. I, I I know that like uh like the the new Star Wars movie got a lot of flack for like having moments of comedy in it, and like I I thought that that was so stupid that people would get so worked up about that. Uh, and now Which here one, I Solo? am. Uh, no, Force Awakens, uh, not Force Awakens, the Last Jedi. And mm. like here here I am, like watching this scene, and like I feel myself feeling the same way that those fans about Star Wars must have felt, where it's like. This is so stupid. Yeah. It's like this, like this whole like comedy hijink scene is just is so. Solo is so had a dumb. lot of this. Solo got, got very wacky at points. I haven't seen it yet. I, yeah. haven't, uh, I have not pulled the trigger on Solo yet. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: it's no rush. You, <laughs> yeah, can, see
0: fair the, you <laughs> can see the uh, Khaleesi.
1: I'm waiting for the right uh, airplane ride to, to get into Solo. It has not happened for <laughs> me right yet. The right Millennium Falcon ride. Exactly, exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, things that are better than seeing a naked woman for the first time. Uh, killing another call. Yeah. Riding horses. Yeah. Uh, conquering a city and taking the people as slaves.
1: Yeah. And taking their hidden immunity idols back to Vyastoth Rock.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, okay. Fine. Fine. Boy. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know you guys were, uh, you know, keeping such a detailed list
1: of everything. Yeah. Seeing a beautiful woman naked for the first time is among the five best things in life. Yeah. According to Kalmoro. Uh, so so ridiculous. You
0: think that these uh, Dothraki are keeping like uh, Google spreadsheets <laughs> of like uh, ranking all these things like uh, Alexander Chester's out there. I, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> oh man <laughs> all right so uh finally uh you know uh danny is like uh hey that's it i've had enough of this do yeah, you know me, do you even yeah. know who i am
1: uh, let me tell you who i am and she like gives off all of her names and titles and all of that and call is very unimpressed he says you are nobody the millionth of your name yeah. uh queen of nothing yeah well Shade. burn is, is yeah. still to come yeah yeah Danny tells him that she's called Drogo's widow and, like, I'm not going to do any of the things you want me to do. And as soon as he hears that she's called Drogo's uh, wife... He's like, oh, I've been very rude. I'm very sorry. Call mm. was he was the man. I'm very excited to see Aquaman. I've got advanced tickets. <laughs> uh, this is a mistake. Um, and Danny's like, He's okay, cool. Now we're gonna Momo is really, yeah. really taken off, and I'm 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 really trying to be in his good graces here, and I feel like I've screwed up my chances. Uh but it, like Danny at this point is like, Okay, cool, now we're getting somewhere. So if you can get me back to Marine, I'm gonna get you a thousand horses and you're gonna be thrilled with that. And Caldmore is like ah, yeah the thing about that is since you are uh, a widowed Khaleesi you have to go and live in this super sketchy temple for the rest of your life so yeah right
0: now Josh going back to season one uh, I feel like that when Khal Drogo died nobody seemed to say like oh okay well off to uh, Vyas Dothrak for you go off to the temple of Dosh Killeen.
1: Well, I think a lot of like the people in Danny's original Kalasar, like a lot of the people who would have been uh, really gung ho about that. I feel like they got killed, like the guy who Jorah killed. uh, I don't know. Maybe they were just like a more liberal group of Dothraki than the ones that she's rolling with right now.
0: Did Danny not drop her credentials to any of the Brothraki prior to this?
1: I don't think that she did. I think they, everybody seems to be pretty surprised by this once she's uh, when she's when she's saying everything here in this scene.
0: Mm hmm. Was this just sort of like a like a last resort? I kind of feel like that uh, she would play this card earlier.
1: Yeah, maybe, but maybe she feels like she's just like talking to you know like uh, foot soldiers you know at first like people who aren't going to be decision makers nobody who's really going to be able to to advocate for her uh, in in any way like nobody who's like a who who's the call of this group she's kind of waiting to talk to the to the top dog.
0: It just seemed like in the way that they surrounded her, it seemed like that they like uh, were sort of like treating her with some significance. Early, they they do that whole dog and pony show for anybody they
1: run into out in the field maybe i mean what else do they got going on i, I think that doing that whole dog and pony show has to Not be to the sixth. that the
0: dothraki are dogs and
1: they ride ponies yeah. it's like the sixth best thing in life is to, yes, is, guys, is to do that routine do the prisoner circle surrounding yes, they you know. love the prison circle that's no, that's number six on the yeah. leaderboard I do like it that the uh, Carl Morrow's wives are like,
0: You have to go to Vice Dothraki.
1: Yeah, go to Nanny Nanny. (laughs) Nanny Nanny Poo Poo. Yeah, they're really like rubbing it in. Those two are really, uh, they're not Danny fans at all. Yeah.
0: Of course, Dosh Colleen was uh, the uh, first wife of uh, one of the most famous calls of the Dothraki. Yes, and
1: I'm Dosh Wiggler.
0: (laughs) All right. Let's go to Bravos, And uh, this was my least favorite thing from the episode. Aria is now blind for some reason. And now she's been kicked out of the house of black and white and now has to go and beg for money on the street. And as she's begging for money on the street, here comes the waif to come and beat her senseless with a stick.
1: Yep, that's about it. Moving on. Mm, See you tomorrow. Yeah, Yeah, we're going to do this again for a little while. Uh, Look, the good news is this will end with Arya uh, totally removing the waif from existence. So uh, it'll it'll all work out. It's just going to take a little while. Be annoying. There's really nothing to unpack there, right? Like she's doing like her like Star Wars kid moves. It's not great. It's stupid. Yeah, I, I feel like that the
0: waif might be the worst character on the show. That's that we spend all, the most time.
1: time wow. Because there's,
0: I mean, it's not like that we say like, oh, the waif. But I mean, the performance, the performance. I right. mean, like, I mean, there's horrible people like Ramsey and Joffrey, and right. and at least you know, there's a performance there. Uh, what are we getting from the waif?
1: Well, I think also a lot of it for me is what are you bringing to the story of Game of Thrones? And what are you what are you bringing, if not to the story, then at least to like the world and like the vibrancy of Game of Thrones? Uh, And on those counts. And and there's like no uh, personality there. Like, well, there are other sadists that are out there. but At least
0: they have a little personality.
1: Yeah. Ah, oh, man, I'd have to really think about that. But I, it's a it's a compelling argument. Uh, then I remember that the Sand Snakes exist.
0: Mm-hmm. They exist, but at least they have like some, a little bit of humor there.
1: Yeah, but I think I prefer the wave scenes to the Sand Snake scenes ultimately, because mm-hmm. at least the, the wave scenes almost always have Arya. And at least there's that. Like, at least you can count on Macy yeah. Williams. To, I mean, to kind even of even in this it.
0: episode, Sand Snakes had an entertaining kill on Tristane.
1: Yeah, I suppose. I don't know. Also, how quickly we forget about uh, Blue Raspberry Mouth. <laughs>
0: I fondly look back at no! Blue Raspberry Mouth compared to the way. No,
1: no, no! <laughs> no get me out of here! Why did I bring him up? I hate okay. that guy so right. much.
0: Let's go to no, Castle Dragons. No, Let's go yes. to Castle Black, and yes. and uh, Alcer Thorn is trying to get Davos to come out of like, uh, come on, open <laughs> up, uh. Davos. UPS <laughs> housekeeping.
1: What? Yeah, yeah. He's trying to trying to get Davos out of there, uh, and it's not working. Uh, he's saying, "Listen, we're both fight. We're both fighters. We're both knights, Davos. There's no need to to kill each other here. And you and anybody else who's in there, if you guys surrender by nightfall, you are all going to be safe. Everything's going to be fantastic. And Davos, you get to travel south, a free man with a fresh horse. Uh, but Davos mm. has one more request to make yeah
0: how about some mutton what if you had some uh, mutton
1: yeah some uh, toss in a nice mlt uh, and send me on my way mm,
0: okay uh yeah if i could get some uh some mutton uh for the, for that mlt uh that would be good but uh while you're working on that we'll just be in here hanging out
1: Right. And so uh, Davos is like, all right, we'll think about it. We'll talk this through. We'll figure out uh, exactly what we're going to do. And Alistair Thorne seems content with that. But Davos tells everybody like, by the way, that guy's definitely going to kill us. If we let, if we let him into this room, we're definitely all going to die.
0: Yeah. Okay, so they're trying to figure out what to do. Uh, they're waiting on Ed. Maybe Ed uh, could, is the one thing that could save them. They can get like, get out of that room alive.
1: An incredible line here when they say Ed is our only chance, and one of the other guys goes, "It's a sad effing statement if Dollar Ed is our only chance." Yeah, like, yeah, that's probably not probably the guy roasting, that you and uh, I yeah. here today. Yeah, well, Ed was the guy who was saying we're all gonna die. Everyone get pumped about this. It's gonna be great. And everyone's like, oh man, that's not the guy that we want to hang our hat on. But it'll come through. It'll take a minute, but he'll come through.
0: All right. So Davos says, Hey, look, there's also the Red Woman. That's also a card we could play. I'm like, what are you talking right. about? What do you what are you talking about, the Red Woman? Yeah. Well, I've seen her do some things.
1: Yeah, I've seen her do some like crazy what? stuff. Cut to Shadow
0: Baby? Shadow Baby, maybe?
1: Yeah. Then we find out why this episode is called The Red Woman, because mm. there's a, a pretty wild scene with Melisandra yeah. showing her true colors, and those colors are gray flesh. And, and this was
0: still awkward, right? We, uh, seeing this for the first time in a room with uh, how many hundred people?
1: A lot. Yeah. Hundreds <laughs> of people. Hundreds <laughs> of people. Uh,
0: so there's Melisandra. She's standing there.
1: She is uh,
0: wearing her robe. Takes it off. She reveals uh, she is naked. She's naked uh, under, underneath the rope. This, uh, uh, no uh, n- no undergarments for Melisandre?
1: She doesn't need it. She's got the Lord of Light to, to warm her up.
0: I mean, I don't wear underwear because I'm cold.
1: I mean, I don't know. M- yeah. maybe that like uh, the robe is just very I still comfortable. wear underwear if it's a hot day out
0: it's just very comfortable i guess so and so melisandra she is going to take off her necklace it's gone and we see the real melisandra now here's my question i don't know if we ever got an answer on this why does she take off her necklace
1: I think she's like, she wants, like, she feels like she's not worthy of the power right now. She's not worthy. Yeah, maybe. Or maybe, like, who knows? We don't know what the mechanics of this are. It's not impossible that, like... This is what she does when she goes to bed, right? Like maybe she needs to recharge. Maybe she needs to plug the amulet into its charger. Oh, it has to charge. It's like you know, a watch, you know. Possibly overnight, she needs to, you know, to so you get put a, it like
0: by the fire, mm-hmm. so it's like it's right. it
1: the Lord of Light power. Like maybe that's what needs to happen. Charge her. Maybe her
0: magic. She feels like her magic is 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 weekends. So she's got to take it off. Uh, so so I like that idea, but can't she die when she's sleeping? Probably. I mean, she's how many hundred years old? I kind of feel like there's a good chance she takes that off for a while. She's going to die.
1: Uh, yeah, but she doesn't, at least not yet. Maybe that's what she has foreseen, that like she's going to like die of a heart attack in front of Arya at some point in season eight or something like that. Hmm. That'd be okay. very anticlimactic.
0: Yeah. But a big reveal, a big reveal here that Melisandre, uh she does have, you know, at least powers to have this, uh, you know, alternate appearance
1: yeah and it's it's cool uh you know it, it confirmed like a big fan theory that people had that you know i don't think anyone was like really really thinking was going to get answered on the show um necessarily but here we find out that yes melisandre is hundreds of years old and you know the uh the hot young melisandre is just kind of a glamour um and it's also a nice reminder that just because you've lived for hundreds of years does not make you wise uh mm. you are you are clearly like still uh open to moments of foolishness as Melisandra has been throughout game of thrones especially in the recent past
0: yeah okay and so now we see the real Melisandra. we have not seen old melisandre again uh since here
1: no. Um And I think like, you know, it's it's kind of like a short way into getting us to feel kind of bad for a, a woman who just burned a child alive. Right. Like somebody who has gotten so much, so wrong, so horribly, so quickly. Uh, like, how do you start to, like, reinvest in a character like that? Maybe you show her at this at this insanely vulnerable low point. Um, and maybe that will, will convert the masses for some, but I, I know the last time we spoke about Melisandre, you were really, really firmly thumbs down on her post Shireen things. Uh, I assume that you are, you are still of that way, that this doesn't really do much to change your mind.
0: Uh, I mean, I mean, yeah, I was really, uh, you know, n- that she was so, uh, remorseless about that, but maybe, yes. you know, she can yeah. save Jon Snow. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll yeah. reconsider my position. All right. Well, I hear I have a, one more question for you. OK, yeah, shoot. So the Melisandra amulet. If if you or I put that on, <laughs> what, would, what would happen? Would we turn into babies? The, what would we turn into what Melisandra looks like as the red woman? Would we be able to, you know, uh, turn into a, you know, uh john ham at the height of his powers no we would turn
1: into it makes you look a lot younger right so we well, it would makes look,
0: you look like yourself younger yeah
1: yeah so we would look like uh we would look like the muppet babies versions of ourselves okay all right so so the just, same just like wearing like you know like you know tiny little children clothes and stuff okay
0: see i didn't know i thought that she like uh, i didn't know that was her as a younger person
1: I mean, that's just my my thought on the matter. I yeah, I, I don't know for sure. Was the maybe, old maybe we Melisandre. would just look like Melisandre? It's not impossible.
0: <laughs> the old Melisandre wasn't played by the same actress in prosthetics? Right?
1: No, it was. Yeah. Oh, it really was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. It's a it's a very. I mean, not not to you know uh, to to make too much light of, of of the situation. I think it's a really great achievement in terms of the prosthetics. The performance is really excellent. God, imagine very cold scene to shoot uh so you know major props to everybody who was involved in bringing that together because it's it's a really really cool moment um yeah that was absolutely the uh caries van houten who who pulled that all together okay there you go all right so where do we go from here josh what's coming up
0: in the second episode of season six
1: Jon snow coming back to life but he'll still be mostly dead for the vast majority yeah. uh we're 90, see how, 99.99% <laughs> of yes, the episode. Yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, so we'll have to see how everybody's going to get out of that situation that they're in at the Night's Watch. I'm pretty sure we are going to lose Roose Bolton in episode yeah. two. Uh, I think that that is a thing that is going to happen. Um, I believe that we are going to see the uh, long-awaited arrival of the great Euron Greyjoy, I believe, is going to be making his debut here. Uh, We'll be very excited about that, I'm sure.
0: Okay, so lots of fun stuff. Uh, I really enjoyed uh, talking about the premiere of Season 6 with you, Josh.
1: Bran Stark's coming back. Okay. Uh,
0: I mean, he at least he has something to do here. So he's got uh, a lot to do. You know, he went to the uh, you know Ponderosa for a season, and now <laughs> yeah, uh, he's back. Now he's back. Yes. So we'll talk about yes. that. All yes. right. So uh, that and much more. I've also uh, got the Walking Dead mid-season finale recap with Jessica Lee up, and then also uh, I believe my House of Cards finale recap uh, is up at this point as well. Wow! Oh my God! It's all happening. It's all happening. It, it is. It is all happening. And so, yes, my chapter 73 recap of House of Cards,
1: I've made it through. I podcast five seasons of that show with Zach Brooks. I'm impressed. Honestly, there's uh, there are there six seasons of House of Cards. You there got all six but seasons. one.
0: Wow. Uh, and I will, as I am a completist, but I will not be going back and recapping season <laughs> one of House of Cards. Not that anybody ever asked for that, but just to put it out there, I will not ever be doing that.
1: Fair enough. I think to stand your ground on this one, much as Davos and the the Jon Snow loyalists are standing their ground, I think it's a a fair deal. Maybe if they throw in some mutton, you'll consider the offer. But if anyone
0: is interested in my reaction to the finale of House of Cards, that is that is available
1: for you. Okay. Okay. all right. I'm interested. I'm going to have to check that out. (laughs) <laughs> I am. I'm very curious. Yeah I, mean, yeah,
0: I mean, you could just get my reaction.
1: You don't have to watch the the
0: final. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm really doing. Final eight episodes. You could just, uh, and I'll sum up. I watched for the, you, I watched the uh, last ten minutes. My thoughts know. on on yeah. the final season. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All yeah. right. Thank you guys so much. Uh, of course, follow Josh Wigler on Twitter at Round Howard. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Bye.